Good morning. I'm Riley with Lifestyle Tucson. For the first part of the program, I'm joined by Bonnie Faircloth from the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. Hi there. Hi, Riley. It's Bonnie. So, Bonnie, you are the executive director for the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. So I guess we could kind of start things off with what some folks are probably wondering. What is the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation? Well, thank you, Riley. I appreciate the opportunity to explain a little bit about um, the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation, also known as SALIF. Um, We were actually established in 2003, way back when, um, under the name Tucson Police Foundation, and we solely assisted the Tucson Police Department um, with our mission, which is to raise money for protective equipment, gear, technology, and training for our police officers where the budget failed or or didn't uh, completely cover it, so we would supplement those things. Um, and then in 2017, we started to receive several requests for assistance from other local agencies. So we, um, to better define our, our giving and assistance to the local agencies, we renamed ourselves to the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. And now we partner with and assist seven local agencies. Um, so that includes the Tucson Police Department, of course, um, also Marana Police Department, uh, the U of A Police Department, the Pima County Sheriff's Department, uh, Oro Valley Police Department, the Tucson Airport Police Department, and Pima College Police. So we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> yes, definitely have your hands full. And uh, so I saw on your, your website that part of the organization's mission, in addition to raising funds, is raising public awareness. I'm just kind of curious, what are some of the types of issues that you're striving to bring to light? So public awareness really is just, we just want ongoing um, support and acknowledgement of what our police officers do on our daily basis. We have always um, had that and followed that philosophy and, th- and, and theory that police officer they they do a dangerous job, and even though they don't ask for thanks and acknowledgement, um, we, we've been out there making sure that um, through our various programs and uh, community events that um, bring the police and community together, that um, they receive that just that ongoing um, thanks and acknowledgement uh, for the hard work and dangerous work that they do. Absolutely. And what are some of the items or equipment that uh, SALIF helps provide to the various law enforcement agencies throughout Southern Arizona? So we have, over the years, we have, we've always um, stayed very mission um, and scope oriented. And so we've always um, provided items such as critical life-saving equipment, such as ballistic vests. Um, so we've been able to provide over um, 450 ballistic vests to our officers. Um, we've also provided um, things like ballistic shields, different types of robotic audio and visual equipment, which is something that is used for pre-entry use so that they, we don't um, have the officers or the canines run into a blind um, area. They utilize this technology and equipment um, before they go in so they know that they can see or hear what they're um, going into. Um, we've also provided actual canines, um, which is kind of a force multiplier. Um, it not only protects the officer, 
Um, but um, and all of these things, since they protect the officer and allows them to do their job, it also further protects and keeps our community safe as well. Absolutely. I saw that on your website uh, that you've helped provide canine units to the force, which is I love those dogs. <laughs> I know they're not pets, know, but <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing. They're amazing animals. Um, they're um, service. They're service. You know, they're service animals to the police department. They are police officers. Um, they, we provided both the um, canine patrol type off, um, canines um, service um, dogs, and then also the the bomb detection canines as well. And over um, the past couple of months. Um, even though um, it's been very difficult for SALIF to continue to operate because we are a, an, a, um, an organization that relies on raising funds through events, and events have been basically closed down, we, um, and we knew that the different types of requests from our police partners may increase because of the um, the defunding or the threat of defunding the departments and, and redirecting the, the, the department budgets would, would increase. Um, we have been able to answer the call for some of these, um, some of the requests that have happened over the past, you know, in, during 2020. So, um, and we did recently provide um, K-9 Bell to TPD's bomb unit. So, Bell is a, a beautiful lab that's been added to TPD's um, bomb unit, um, and she she actually joins um, a canine lady who, in 2017, Salif also provided TPD's bomb unit. So, uh, <laughs> so it's been it's been fabulous to be able to very uh, uh, honor to be able to help support um, our police agencies in ways that they are just they're very much needed and. And um, our officers are out there. Um, all they want to do is uh, serve and protect, mm-hmm. and these things help them do that. Uh, keeps them protected as well. So it's um, it's it's very it's very rewarding that we have a, a terrific and supportive community, both individual, private, and businesses that are willing to to donate. Um, to the foundation to help us achieve those goals for our officers. You mentioned how your fundraising was really based in events. What are some of the ways that you did your fundraising in the past, you know, the days before where <laughs> things just had to change so dramatically? Sure, sure. So like you mentioned in 2020, we had to kind of re-envision and re redo our entire thought process on what we presented in the community. But prior to, the foundation operated and raised funds through a series of seven annual events, basically. So throughout almost every other month, the foundation was putting on an event or presenting an event in the community and inviting the community to participate to raise money for um, the foundation and for our officers. So um, if I started at the beginning of the year, what our annual events included were a gala casino gala um, in January uh, we also and then we would move into the springtime where we would have the canine walk for cops where you could register bring your bring your pup or your four-legged friend and join um, all of the agencies the seven agencies canine units and we would go for a walk around the U of A um, campus and then it would end on the U of A mall with a demonstration, a canine demonstration, which was amazing. Um, And then we would move into the um, Thank a Cop Day, which would take place during the week of National Police Week. 
Um, and then we would move into the summertime and have a back-to-school safety and health fair at Park Place Mall where we would have the officers, the foundation would generate all the donations of school supplies and the officers would hand them out to the, um, to the, to the kids um, from anywhere from kindergarten to 12th grade um, type of school supplies. Um, and then also, and then we would move from there. We would do a golf tournament, and we would do a poker run, and then we would also do a, the, the uh, Cops and Rodgers car show. So all of those events were used to be um, kind of an annual basis, kind of something that the community looks forward to because we've had we have so many years under our belt. Unsung Heroes is has go, is going on its 16th year. So is the gala. So is Cops and Rodders. Um, so the the Canine Walk for Cops is going into its 12th year. So these were things that we established and then just kept doing annually that the community looked forward to as a way to not only um, help the foundation raise money but also support our police. Mm-hmm. I am speaking with Bonnie, the executive director of SALIF, the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. I've seen that you have come up with a COVID safe fundraising event for later on this month. Now, I have heard of poker runs, but I have not ever seen one quite like this before. (laughs) Sure, sure. So. Um, we did survive 2020, and what we did was um, we kind of reinvented the types of um, events that we were able to, part- um, to present to the community that were safe, and that included poker runs and golf tournaments. And so um, we are starting off our, our spring, summer time within a, a community event fundraising schedule, and um, so we're going to present these events that achieve cop unity in what we call cops and the community together again in a positive and fun atmosphere. Um, and these events, um, they implement and follow the county health COVID compliant policies so that we're confident that we're inviting our participants to register in something and our sponsors, participants, and supporters will be safe, kept safe, along with our police officers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we have a poker run scheduled for this month on Saturday, March 20th. And what, we, what, the, what the poker run is, is you register, your, and it's usually motorcycles, but we're also inviting off-road vehicles vehicles and car clubs to to join us if they'd like. And um, you just register as a a rider or a passenger, and you um, check in on the morning of the event at one of the stops and and implements a poker um, poker hand. So you have several stops along um, um, an 80-mile route, and you draw a poker card and you create your hand, and then at at the last stop, you hand in your poker hand to see if you have the high hand, a low hand, and we do some other special prizes. And the stops along the route... Um, will take place at at each of our seven um, police agency partners. So it'll start in Oral Valley at Oral Valley PD. It'll and then then the next the next stop on the route would be Marana PD, and then down to Pima County Sheriff's Department and Pima College and U of A and TPD, et cetera. So we're, we're going to hit seven different police agency. Um, police departments and the riders or the participants will be able to mingle and hang out with the officers and meet with them while they draw their poker card. And then it will end at Hot Rods um, at the end of the 80-mile route. And um, that's where you hand in your, your poker hand and you find just to, just to see if you've gathered a, um, a, high, a high type of poker hand. <laughs> see how and, you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's, there's raffles and auctions and lunch provided. And it's more of an opportunity to just 
you know, uh, participate in a great outdoor activity and at the same time um, helping the foundation raise money to support our police. So uh, we're just, uh, we're really excited that we're able to move forward with an event and um, it's getting great, great response. We have several, we have almost 100 registrants already. So we're, we're looking forward to this particular this particular gathering i guess you should say now gathering we 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 to stay covid compliant we have we can't gather more than 50 people at a time at the stops so basically what we've done is we've devised a staggered start type of method of checking in so anytime between 7:30 in the morning and 9 a.m. at the first stop or the or the beginning of the route um, the check-in portion you can you can check in in a staggered you just come anytime between 7:30 and 9 and then you check in and then you st- and then you take off we don't go off as one big group well, that's also great for anyone who likes to sleep in a little. Don't have to be there right at 7.30 on the dot. <laughs> you know, we have we have no idea what the weather is going to be like, but we think it's going to be relatively mild even for motorcycles. And so so anybody that's an early bird, they can come and get their route started. Or um, if the weather happens to be a little inclement, then you can then you can hold off and maybe, yeah. you know, 30 minutes or so, and it'll, it'll make a big difference in the weather here in town because yeah. you know how it works. <laughs> that's just how Tucson so. works. <laughs> exactly. And is there any vehicles that aren't uh, allowed to participate in uh, the poker run? Or is it kind of a no, more freedom? It's okay. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It's, it's really, it's pretty wide open. We've, um, we had a poker run back in November um, and we invited um, off-road type of vehicles. And um, there weren't many that participated, um, but there were some that asked if they could. And so we uh, we allowed that. There's there's nothing restrictive to um, mingling the, the motorcycles and the vehicles because they just once they're out on the route, they follow just they follow the rules mm-hmm. of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for people who want to learn more about the Poker Run or the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation in general, what's the best way to get in contact with you? So, you know, I am I'm here all the time during regular business hours. So anybody can call me at 207-2878. And then also um, another way, any time to find out information or to register or look at for an event or look at information about upcoming events is to go to our website, which is soazlef.org, which stands for Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation.org. So soazlef.org. And then I'm just going on a limb since it is, you know, digitally connected times. Are you on uh, social media? Facebook and Twitter. I'm just under under just um, just spell out our entire foundation name, Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. And hopefully you have uh, sunshiny skies for the poker run. <laughs> well, Bonnie, I'm so glad that you uh, had this opportunity to chat with me and share some information about the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about our foundation and the great work that we're doing and um and i appreciate i just want to a shout out to the entire community you have been so supportive and we appreciate that and so do all of our our law enforcement so thank you so much riley for this opportunity thank you much up next mike rapp good morning and welcome to lifestyle tucson my guest for this portion of the program is lisa webster she joins us from casa de los niños a crisis nursery here in the old pueblo Began back in 1973, we're going to talk about its origins and what it's become now and what we're looking forward to, to 2021. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Take us back to 1973, how things all began. 
Uh, well, you are right in your introduction that it did begin as a crisis nursery. Um, the the goal was uh, to provide a a safe place to to take children when they were at risk of abuse or neglect. And over the years, all of those programs have evolved, and we learned that the way to help children is really not to remove them from their families, but to really help the whole family. Um, so we actually, um, just like the rest of the country, moved away from uh, shelters and are creating programs that really help families before that abuse occurs. Mm-hmm. But there are instances where you're pretty much the last resource for a child. Um, or first and most important resource, I would think. I think that is I think that is a very true statement. Yes, we we try to be the first resource for families and um we do have such a wide array of uh programs now that we can help families uh in a lot of different situations and again to really avoid the situation where a child needs to be removed from the home. Mm-hmm. When when they are removed from the home, um we focus on foster care now so that the child always can be in a home because that's that's really the best place for a child they they don't do well in congregate care or shelter settings mm-hmm. well you're certainly your um facility has grown and changed into a pretty substantial and dynamic organization right now particularly in terms of your buildings and so forth uh we are a very large organization this is true and um, a large part of our work is behavioral and mental health services. And I can tell you that particularly in this last year, um, the, the mental health of children and young adults has really, that has actually become a real crisis. And um, we have uh, over 50 therapists and, and uh, people that are working really hard to help kids to navigate some of those very challenging mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's so many different things that came out of this pandemic. Uh, how did you feel in terms of being prepared for something like that? <laughs> well, we we weren't prepared. I don't think anybody was prepared. And yeah. um, we're, we're all still looking around saying, I can't believe we're not looking at a year. Um, you know, when it when it became clear that we had to make some really you know, 180 adjustments to the way we work, mm-hmm. I will say that, um, I will say that even though, you know, maybe mentally it was, it was a lot to take on, um, our organization is strong and, and I was so impressed with the way the, the whole staff just came together and the priority was always to just continue to serve people, to be there for people. And, um, you know, we've, it's been a real, it's been a real stretch to find ways to, um, get technology to families so that they can communicate mm-hmm. and, you know, um, continue on in the services that they have. Um, and of course, you know, for all of our staff to have that kind of technology as well. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where when you're in the middle of it, you think, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Are we doing the right thing? And as I look back at the year, I'm incredibly proud of our organization and of our staff and the way we've come together because I, I have to say um, I don't think we I don't think we missed a beat with uh, continuing to serve people um, so um, you know we, we keep moving on it it doesn't look to be changing dramatically anytime soon so we're gonna 
stay this course and um, hope that uh, hope that things start to get better with the vaccines. Yeah. We're speaking with Lisa Webster from Casa de los Niños this morning, finding out a little bit about the organization and where it's headed in 2021. One of the things you had to come to terms with in 2020 was uh, dealing with parents as teachers, and you even made a, a program about it. Tell us about that. Oh, well, that's actually a program we've had for some time. Really? Um, that's a pro- uh, yeah, that's actually a program that um, uh, we, have, we have several in-home programs, and the Parents as Teachers program uh, is a is a incredible resource for families with young children that are trying to make sure that they're going to be ready to start school. And uh, so we have a whole team of people that, that go into homes. And again, now with the pandemic, we tend to do most of that virtually. We have a lot of a lot of our team that meets on the doorstep of people's homes. Mm-hmm. But um, and they they give them tools to become a teacher for their own children and find ways in the home to find teachable moments and make sure that that uh, kids um, are ready to learn when they start preschool or kindergarten. And also um, these these. Uh, um, People that uh, the support people that go into the homes are also very good at um, highlighting some other problems mm-hmm. that might be going on and connecting them to other resources that we have in our organization or in the community that will help them to avert any sort of issue, to address developmental issues that may be happening, and um, make sure that the family's empowered to move forward in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. Describe some of those relationships you have with other organizations. I mean, some, you know, there's the old uh, takes a village kind of thing, but uh, in your case, it takes kind of a coalition of, of uh, various resources. Uh, that is true. Boy, you're good at this, Mike. You've, uh, you <laughs> well, I've been around should, for a while. This should, isn't my first cast. You should come on. You should come on board. We have we have openings. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, Tucson is also a, a really um, unique place and a, a really strong community, and um, we all do work very closely together. So we have we have partnerships with, you know. It, all, so many nonprofits in town, all the names that you would recognize, you know, from places like Child and Family Resources and Emerge Center for Domestic Violence, um, um, uh, El Rio. And then we also, of course, really benefit from relationships with the larger medical centers and um, some of the expertise they can offer and some of the resources they need for their clients and patients that they serve. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a two-way street, but um, you are right that um, we, 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 all, we all benefit when we work more closely together. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the interactions you probably have to deal with is with law enforcement. Tell us about that relationship. Well, um, you know, we we um, I I would say that I think law enforcement is is uh, appreciative and grateful to have a resource like us, mm-hmm. and I know that um, I know that I, I think I can I think I can be confident when I say I think they know that we can always help to de-escalate situations, to address situations in a positive way. Um, I think frequently, especially when younger people are involved or children yeah. witness um, things with that involve law, um, law enforcement, it can be very scary. And so I think we help to navigate some of those 
feelings and um, build some some trust. And um, you know, there's there are times too when um, it can be sort of a, a gray picture, I think, for law enforcement as to what's actually happening with a kid. And so I think our expertise can help to shed some light on, you know, maybe it's not what did you do wrong, but what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it's going to be more and more interesting as, as time goes on here and some of the political developments we've been seeing, particularly with regard to uh, law enforcement and how that's going to change over the future and how it's going to embrace organizations like yourselves in order to do a better job in serving the community. Um, when we start talking about uh, fostering, um, that is uh, something that is of desperate need in Arizona. So many kids are out there and it's, it's this huge volume of kids and it's just getting bigger because of all the hardships and problems imposed by the pandemic. Uh, how is your uh, foster program configured right now in terms of getting people involved and, and moving them forward? Well, um, you are correct that that is always a need, and I think you're right that the need will likely grow uh, in the future. Um, we uh, have a have a large circuit of foster homes that we license and you know monitor and provide support for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question that we are always in very much in need of additional foster homes, particularly for older children or for sibling groups. Um, our, our team has, just like our other teams, really had to make some dramatic shifts about how we work safely in this current environment, because as you can imagine, it's really important to have actual eyes on children in that situation. And so we've had to work really hard to make sure that you know the families have the kind of um, protective gear that they need mm-hmm. to still engage with the services. Um, and, you know, the, the good part of the story is that sometimes foster foster homes close because they actually move to permanency with a child. They yeah. adopt the child. And that's a great story. But in that situation, it still means that we need additional foster homes. So, um, you know, this is actually a great time, I think, for people to look at their own living situation and their lives and Ask mm-hmm. the question: Is this a time that maybe I could create a space in my family and in my home to to uh, foster a child? We're speaking with Lisa Webster from Casa de los Niños uh, about some of the services and programs that they've been offering since 1973 now and moving forward. Talking more about fostering. What about that process for people? Um, can you uh, give them a good idea of what they're getting in terms getting into in terms of how they're going to be dealing with government in in this process? Well, I will tell you that I am not the expert in the actual uh, process to become a foster family. And I know that, you know, every every situation has different nuances to it. Um, we do have a good amount of information on our website at casadelosdinos.org. Mm-hmm. And we have people, um, people in our foster program that can answer all of those questions. There is quite a bit of detail, too, about the licensing process yeah. and... Um, you know, all of those requirements that's available both on our website and online. Mm-hmm. So essentially you're, you're making people, um, you're giving people an, an environment to work through this process, to answer questions, to um, maybe uh, reveal some things that people hadn't been thinking about even in terms of, you know, what, the, what they're uh, uh, maybe facing and fostering a child. So it's a, a great service. And you have the, what's the nurse family program? 
Uh, Nest Family Partnership is a wonderful, it's a national program that we are, um, we are part of, and uh, it's, an, it's another really valuable in-home program. We have uh, nurses that go directly to new mom's homes, and they work with uh, the mother through the pregnancy to ensure that they have a healthy pregnancy, um, that they have resources that they need to address any issues that might be going on. But then the interesting part is that they actually stay with that mother in a partnership for the first two years of the child's life wow. to make sure that the, to make sure that the child is meeting developmental milestones, um, having all of the necessary vaccinations that they need, meeting health milestones, but also ensuring that the mother is supported and has what they need and is able the the nurse really works to support the mother in their in their goals as a parent and um it's it has absolutely wonderful outcomes Casa de los Niños has been a gem in our community for children in crisis for many many years going on 50 years now if you'd like to find out more you can go to casadelosninos.org our guest for this part of the program is Lisa Webster from the CASA. Thank you so much, Lisa, and have a good week. Thanks so much, Mike. If you are part of a nonprofit organization that would like to be featured on an upcoming episode of Lifestyle Tucson, you can contact us at publicaffairs at azlotus.com by email. That's publicaffairs at azlotus.com. More information on the Lifestyle Tucson program can be found at klpx.com, mixfm.com, kfma.com, and espntucson.com.